Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film, and I'm going to start off right now, and I'm not going to apologize to you listeners. I'm just going to thank you guys for listening to me, Bruce Perky, and Eric Holmes on this here Find Your Film podcast. We've been up and running for how long, Bruce? For over a year at least? How many episodes? How many? What do you, what do you think? Oh gosh, I haven't counted the episodes. Yeah, <laughs> ballpark figure. Let's uh, take me out to the ballpark. Come on. Well, if you count just the two weekly episodes, then we're probably at about, what, probably about 60? Somewhere 60, around there, sixty-nine. Thing, 69? Probably, okay, yeah. okay, sixty-nine. Eric, I'm so sick and tired of that old joke that you do every week. And the reason why I'm sick and tired, I'm not. Is that joke, yeah, <laughs> that joke works every time. Darn, darn you, darn you. No, actually, I looked at our Apple Podcast. It says ninety-three. So we're actually, I mean, technically we have over over a hundred. I'm thinking, but I think it's a ninety-three on our Apple podcast so no i'm not thank uh thank you listeners for listening to us and and uh your cinematic facebook group thank you guys so much but i'm going to apologize to eric holmes and bruce perky public apology pu- public podcast apology because this week i inundated them with five freaking movies to watch eric holmes came in at 80 percent four out of the five and that is due to we're going to get to that in a second that's not due to his fault it is a tech issue that we're going to solve pretty soon I was very intimidated tech-wise about this, and hopefully Bruce will walk Eric through this pretty well. Eric Holmes, you're going to be well-versed in Google Authenticator in, in the next week? What do you think? You gonna be oh, we'll expert? see. We'll see, because yeah? it, it's one of those things, like, let's just figure it out now, because it's going to come up again. So let's just, yep. yeah. Yeah. Life is funny. Bruce is, is giving Eric Holmes the... The, the lessons on how to use Authenticator and he's talking about codes and everything like this. I, f- I feel like I'm in the Sidney Pollock early 70s conspiracy th- thriller. And you know what? Eric's completely lost. But Yeah, it, yeah it's kind of messed up. The, the youngest one here is the one having trouble with that's technology. Funny. That's funny. <laughs> don't, don't ever remind me again, Eric, that me and Bruce are very old men. Bruce, how old are we? Are we like 65, 66? 69, 70? Well, um, what, what? in a few days, in a few days, you'll be a little older, right? Oh, thank you for remembering my 50th birthday. Yes, folks, I turned 50 on September 11th. What a happy birthday to you. Thank you. It's in the public domain. (laughs) And I can sing it to Greg because he's 50 years old. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. You know, Bruce, you, you didn't sing. You didn't join in the chorus. I would. I wasn't going to edit that. That's a. That's a public domain, like Eric said. <laughs> After all the, all you know, listeners. If this is the first time listening to find your film, Eric and and Bruce say on a weekly basis, or maybe by you know uh, once every two weeks, they like to hum a tune just so I could edit it on on Audacity <laughs> and and get that out of there, so we're not sued by millions of dollars. Now, here's the thing: we have a lot of films. That we're covering this week. I don't know how to how to say this. Five movies, way too many movies this this week. But the good thing is, I think we might have a couple of gems out this week. What do you guys think? Do you think uh, Bruce, Eric, are we? Are you guys excited for a couple of these, or what? What do you guys yep. think? Uh, yeah? Spoiler alert: I hated none of them, so we're good. Okay, okay. <laughs> how about you, Bruce? Did you hate one of them or, or a couple of them? Ooh, I, I didn't did. hate any. I didn't hate any, but there's at least one that I probably won't recommend. So. Oh, at least, oh, wait, wait, you're saying at least one. Okay, you, you, that you're not going to recommend. Just, I learned something from this week from watching five movies all almost in a row. I try to not do this every week, but again, we are a creature of habit. After we, we tape this episode, Bruce starts watching the movies. I start getting a really, really crazy. Eric is, Eric is calm throughout the entire week. It doesn't matter. What day? It could be Thursday, Friday. It could be Tuesday night. It could be Wednesday, several minutes before the podcast. He's, he's, he's cool, as, cool as a cucumber. I am always nervous because after this, 
Bruce is going to get on the horn and I I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to just start watching movies and he's going to put on our Facebook messenger what he's seen. I get a little bit intimidated. Eric, how come you're never intimidated by this? You're just you're 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 uh, you're okay. You're, you're, you're it's, it's it's the outside appearance. The outside looks like this, but the inside is <laughs> and it just goes freaking nuts. Very good. A little bit. But nuts. the outside calm, calm. One, very good. It's my poker face. Oh, audio listeners, Eric Holmes, you're missing out on his poker face. You can check out the video version of our podcast on the Deepest Dream YouTube channel. One more thing before we get into our movies. One of these movies, Eric was talking about the card counter. Okay, a, a movie about poker, about counting cards. I learned a couple things about that movie. Just Bruce, bottom line, we learned a lot about that movie. First thing, you can tilt one way or you can tilt the other way. And I want you. I want to ask you, Bruce. Which way do you tilt? Huh? Um, I tilt towards snails and oysters, depending on my mood. I don't know. What about? Okay, a little <laughs> bit of escargots to the occasion. Where do you tilt, Eric Holmes? Where do you tilt? Tilt full, and then a boogie. <laughs> Okay, there's a lot of tilting going on in the card counter. The other movies that we're covering this week are Kate. It's on Netflix. So we're going to get to that. I'm so excited about that. There's a, a movie call on, called Martyr's Lane. It's streaming on Shudder. There is a, an indie film, really great actors in this, called Small Engine Repair. Bruce Perky, are any engines repaired in Small Engine Repair? I think that was one of the things I told you guys. Yes. No yes. engines are repaired. Okay. And then finally, we're going to cover, Bruce and I are going to cover The Alpinist. And yeah, you have some thoughts on that movie, Bruce? A couple of thoughts to, to tease us with on The Alpinist? Sure. I have thoughts. Yeah. You have <laughs> thoughts, that's all you can say. Eric won't have thoughts because, again, it's a Google authenticator. He really wanted to see The Alpinist. It would have been great to have Eric get on board with this, but he sees so many movies anyway this week. But these are the five movies we're going to cover are we going to Bruce? Are you going to hold on to the box next week? Are you going to do a, a quick? Are you, are you going to what are you going to do with the box? We're going to push one false move one more week. So okay. I'll have that next week. That being said, let's start off with the first movie, and that is the card. The aforementioned the card counter. It starts Oscar Isaac, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, by the way, the movie is directed and written by Paul Schrader. I think Willem Dafoe has been in probably ninety nine percent of movies directed by Paul Schrader. I'm thinking I'm thinking of movies like Light Sleeper, Autofocus, The List Affliction, the list goes on and on. He plays he has an important role in the card counter as well. Anyways, Oscar Isaac, he plays this, yeah, he's a card counter. He likes low stakes. What's your name again? William Tell. Hey, I've watched you play poker. And I wonder why you play at such low stakes. You're a crackerjack. I keep to modest goals. Well, there's no reason for that. You need someone to stake you. An MTT makes seven million to pay out. That's what you do. You you run a stable. I'm always looking for a good thoroughbred. <laughs> I can get someone to back you 100% on my word. I prefer to work under the radar. I thought you were a gambler. Poker games, blackjack tables. He, he's very talented, but he does not want to call attention to himself. So he'll travel around America, just get into a casino, make seven or $800, go to a nice uh, no, dingy motel or just a, a ramshackle motel, pay his whatever, and then just move on to another town. Okay, everything seems very low stakes from him because he has he's a former 
he's an ex-convict prisoner. Um, there, I, we're going to talk about whether we're going to get into why he was in prison in, in a second because I've read reviews and they really reveal anything. But I'm going to let Eric and Bruce lead the way regarding what we should spoil or not regarding the card counter. The movie also stars, along with Willem Dafoe and Oscar Isaac, it also stars Tiffany Haddish as a woman who is in the card game as well. And she tries to hire Oscar Isaac to be part of her stable of card players, Okay, where she, where she and her company would get maybe 50% of the take. And the card players will get 50% as well. So, and then rounding out the ensemble is Ty Sheridan from Ready Player One. He's this mysterious youth who breaks up the monotony or the habitual existence of Oscar Isaac's character. And he plays another important role in the film. Let's start off with Eric Holmes, The Card Counter. This is a movie that we got under the gun. We, we maybe several hours even before, maybe like less than a day before taping this podcast. I wanted all of us to see this. First of all, are you a huge Paul Schrader fan? And what did you overall think of The Card Counter? I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge Paul Schrader fan, but I do like him. He, he's kind of one of those guys that's like, he's never on the forefront of my mind, but whenever he pops up, I'm like, oh yeah, he's pretty good. And then, you know, watch his movies. He mentioned autofocus. That's why I need to revisit. That movie's pretty freaking cool from what I remember. Do you want to hear my my erudite and intellectual I actually covered that press junket. Do you want do you want to hear my 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 smart question that I asked Greg Kinnear, who played, I believe, Bob Hogan in Autofocus? Okay. Uh, what what was the question? I loved you and dear God. And what was it like? <laughs> no, yes, please. Okay. Did you notice how Bruce didn't want to didn't chime in and says, I don't want to hear this question. Let's get this thing over with, you son of a <laughs> I asked Greg Kinnear. So to study for the Hogan character, did you have to spend weeks and weeks or maybe months just watching porn? That was me years ago asking that question. <laughs> now at 50, like Bruce was saying, thank you, Bruce, for that birthday wish. I would have asked Greg Kinnear a more, hopefully, a more insightful question than did you watch porn to prepare for autofocus? Well, I mean, what, what, what was the answer? I forgot the answer. I was just, I remember being, I, I was just smirking to myself. That's what happens when you're in your, in your mid 20s. You're a smirker. You smirk and you're self satisfied. And then when you get older, as you will learn, Eric Holmes, as Bruce and I have learned, a lot of vulnerability and mortality. That's actually, that's actually a really good question. I really want to know the answer to that. <laughs> we'll get him on the horn in a few. But yes, what did you think of the card counter? You like Paul Schrader's work. Did this movie resonate with you as much as maybe, I'm assuming, um, First Reformed? It, it, it didn't like resonate with me, but I liked it. This was, um. so this movie got me thinking, and it, it got me thinking of things that didn't have to do with this movie. Like we watch a lot of movies per week. So we don't get a lot of time to watch movies again and again and again, which is what I'm used to doing. I'm used to watching Boogie Nights 20 times, Gremlins 400 times. I'm used to watch, you know, so on and so forth. This seems like a movie that under normal circumstances, like if we weren't doing this podcast and we're not supposed to watch like five, 10 movies a week, this is a movie that, I would have watched like five times already, but as it is, I only watch it once and I don't think I fully got everything from it, but I did like it. Timothy Haddish. I haven't watched a lot of movies with Timothy or Timothy, Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany Haddish. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of movies with Tiffany Haddish. Like I've heard of her, but I haven't watched a lot of movies that she was in. She's I, great in this. I love her. Oscar Isaac's always great in everything. What was it? Ty Sheridan, yes, Ty which Sheridan, I was, yeah. I was confused with Taylor Sheridan. It's like, oh yeah, he wrote Sicario. Wait, no, he didn't. He's an actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he played Cyclops, and then of course Willem Dafoe. Uh, they they have that that weird uh, fisheye camera lens thing. Like the, this movie was really, uh, 
I don't want to say stylish. It is stylish, but it does a lot of, it's weird. Like a lot of the tricks they're doing in the movie seems like first time filmmaker stuff. And this comes from Paul Schrader, which has been doing it since he's been in the game for a long time. So it's weird seeing him do kind of weird kind of camera trick stuff that you would see from a filmmaker making their first or second feature. But it still looked cool. I don't quite understand how the... uh and this isn't a knock on the film. This goes back to me wanting to, you know, normally watching movies five, six times in a row. But there's there's some connection with him being a ca- card counter and the stuff that happened in his past. And I ha- I haven't quite grasped what that connection is, but I think there's something there. But as it is, what I loved about the movie on first watch, it does that thing where, you know, the character knows a lot about something. And they're constantly teaching the audience what it is they know. In this case, it's counting cards. And every time they have a card counting thing, I'm like, I'm going to teach you how to do cards. And it's like, oh, that's cool. And then there's more than a couple scenes where he does like the little card flourishes. But there's a word for it. And I can't think of it at the moment. And he's Oscar Isaac's not great at it. But I'm assuming he learned that for this movie. And you know, with the time that he had to learn his little card flip things, he did a pretty good job, I think. Overall, I liked it. I think this is going to be a movie that I like if I get to watch it five, six, seven, eight, ten more times. Um, well, the, yes. Uh, Eric, like you said, it's very value-added. I know nothing. I know very little about card games, card tricks, card anything. But when he said always that the the uh, regarding betting against the house on a roulette wheel, you have a forty seven percent chance. If you bet on red and black, I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna let that ride next time I'm at a cas- casino, red and black. Bruce, Eric had some interesting things to say about watching this movie several times to get all the layers behind the story. How do you feel about this movie? Did it work for you on these different layers or was it too preachy or too? I don't really feel like it was too preachy. I'm kind of similar to Eric in that I I guess I'm a, I'm a little bit of a mild recommend on this one, but I had some of the similar reactions to it in that it's a little bit, it kind of holds you a little bit at a distance. I feel like I wasn't fully connected to it and partly because of this kind of dual nature and we're kind of dancing around it. I think it's good to dance around it, but there's basically, you think it's one kind of movie, this card counter, lifer, gambler kind of has this, he has this kind of really um, regimented life after he got out of prison. And then he meets Ty Sheridan and it kind of takes a sharp turn. And when you start discovering his past, once that happened, I was really interested in that, but it kept going back to the cards. And I think I kind of go kind of going with Eric on this too. the card thing. I think if I'm interpreting it correctly, it has something to do with him being able to control things or to use his intellect to control a a, a seemingly chaotic world, which would kind of would kind of make sense based on his past and what he's trying to do. And that would also lead to the whole big conversation about tilting which we're not going to get into, but there's an idea of how you can be controlled and all of a sudden your emotions can overrule you in a sense in that case. Um, I think everyone was really pretty strong in here. I personally felt like Tiffany Haddish was kind of the weakest link. Just I've seen her almost all in humorous roles. So it was hard for me to take her seriously, but I think that might just been me and not her. You know what I mean? Like I'm used, my brain is just used to seeing her in a certain way. There were some really interesting flourishes here too stylistically we didn't talk about the fact that um every time he goes into a hotel room he 
covers everything in sheets, <laughs> the lamps, the chairs, the tables. <laughs> I, I almost want to do a spoiler about that, but I don't get it. So, but go yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm just going to say that's like, I'm another example of him like controlling his environment. So I think I feel like the card stuff is a lot about control. I feel like the card stuff at a point had lessening payoff to me. Whereas the other story I wanted more of. So I guess that would be my biggest complaint is that I wanted more of the other story, a little less of the card story once we knew what the card story kind of meant. So I just want to kind of add on to that. I think this is going to be one of those movies that, you know, those movies that come out and people are kind of like Paul Schrader's a name that people know. I'm trying to think of a good example. Like if Paul Thomas Anderson, for example, comes out with a movie, everyone's expectations are at a certain place. And so when the movie comes out, it's like, it's not that good. But then you give it like five years, give it 10 years. And then everyone looks back on that movie. That was pretty good. It's like everyone hated it when he. I think this is going to be one of those movies that I think on first watch, a bunch of people might be disappointed, but I think the card counter is going to. I think this movie is going to age well. Yeah, I agree. No, no. The card counter, I'm going to say this. So, slight recommend for you, Bruce. Mm -hmm. Eric, slight recommend, or you like it? I I, I would say pretty heavy recommend, just with that caveat, because we haven't said it yet this (laughs) this episode. I I think this is going to be one of those movies that the more you watch it, the more it's going to pay off. And the older this, like the more time this movie gets a chance to kind of settle in to the zeitgeist or whatever, I think this movie's going to, yeah, like I said, this movie's going to age well, I think. The Card Counter is one of my favorite films of the year, hands down. Without a, I, I probably a top five. Well, you're ahead I, of the I, curve, so that I, makes I, sense. I, no, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm tilting. A, I don't tilt that way. Trust me, I'm I'm way behind the curve. But probably worst case scenario, top ten. But realistically, top five. I love Paul Schrader as a filmmaker. You know what? As much as I love First Reformed, I prefer this over First Reformed. I love the pacing, the static camera angles that he uses, where it's usually just a fixed camera, and eventually, sometimes as as I. <laughs> As you grow into Paul Schrader's work, it, for some reason, it just it hit me. I love I love his visual compositions for this movie. It was very spare and austere. And I think First Reformed got me ready for this masterwork. I think both of them are. First Reformed and The Card Counter are both probably one of Schrader's best works. I think he's on a huge role. I'm very high on The Card Counter as far as the messages and whatnot regarding the cards. There's a lot of themes that are going on about what kind of prison we make for ourselves physically and emotionally, what, and also it posits the theory, what happens if the prison you literally make for yourself becomes your salvation? That's amazing. Also, there's all this, all this stuff about uh, the, the idea about no good, no good deed goes unpunished that I feel, I think that runs, I, I think it, it's, it's, some, it's like a recurring theme with Paul Schrader stuff. And also the idea of documenting one's life you know, his, uh, Oscar Isaac's character is writing in his notebook about just lessons he's learned, thing I, and you're wondering if that's going to pay off. That, that Willem Dafoe character in Light Sleeper did the same thing. So there's a lot of reflective moments behind, behind the card counter that made me think of Willem Dafoe's character in Light Sleeper. There are, I also, which will, to Eric and Eric, to your point, and Bruce, to your point too, there are some frustrating moments for the viewer. There's a confrontation that is shot in a certain way there is a a a card dealing thing that you're expecting if you're watching 
if you watch the Cincinnati kid or if you watch all these other card movies like rounders, you're expecting some kind of confrontation that way. And who knows, you might not get that payoff, the ultimate payoff behind the card counter, which I can't, it really reminds me of this one movie that I'm going to tell you guys, and we're going to probably agree about it after we're done with the podcast, but I can't really name the movie because I will, I will be showing my hand. Okay. And I don't want to spoil it for you guys. Just know that to Bruce's point, there, this is basically two movies for the price of one. And if you don't feel that th- those two gel, it will be a frustrating experience. For me, I was on board right from the get-go. The Card Counter, again, easily one of my favorite films of the year. Highly, highly recommended. Bruce gets a slight recommend on The Card Counter. Heavy recommend from Eric Holmes. Eric Holmes also, even though he should give himself a little bit of credit, he's also ahead of the curve. He knows that he wants to see this a couple of times. and Maybe he'll get different reads on the movie as well, I, Eric. I should also mention that, Bruce, you mentioned that uh, Tiffany Haddish was in better movies. I loved her in this. I need to see what other movies she's been in because uh, if she gets better than this, I'm in. Yeah, serious. I, I'm so amazed at how much I love the card counter. And I was surprised. I was thinking there's no way he's going he's gonna to top First Reformed. I'm sure a lot of people will disagree with me on this. But if, if you don't think he tops First Reformed, maybe at the worst, hopefully you'll at least like the card counter. It hits theaters September 10th. Next up, doesn't this one does not hit theaters, but right now with the way things are with streaming this might might as well be our theater our weekly theater that is netflix they've supplied us with the screening early screening links of kate it's an action movie set in japan starring mary elizabeth weinstead mary elizabeth weinstead if she had her druthers she should play who should she play bruce who should who should mary play in the Uh, the future she seems in this almost like a young ellen ripley uh, somewhere between alien and aliens right in that period she could do that, that and that's a huge compliment huh on that you're, you're yeah. really, you were okay you're impressed. i would have never thought that about her seeing her in other roles which i've liked her in other roles i didn't think she quite kind of had that sort of persona in her but i think she does in this sure you don't want to use the variable scope for this no we've got a lock on vector and trajectory you hear that saying listen to your elders big phrase especially here in japan well, so you're an elder now elder doesn't necessarily mean old it just means older is in smarter, wiser. But hey, I'm serious. We blow this chance at seven, seven years. years of hard work down the drain. Ah, so you do listen to me. Beep. I haven't missed once in 12 years. I'm not going to miss. Yeah, Mary Elizabeth Wine said she plays the aforementioned Kate, titular character Kate, and she's after this one final assignment, okay, one final assignment, <laughs> she's going to retire, maybe, maybe Boca, Boca Raton or, or some kind of island and, or maybe, maybe she'll meet some dude and maybe she might want to have a kid. Who knows what, what she'll do. The problem is her final assignment ends in, well, she gets exposed to radiation and it's a failed assignment. Her handler is played by Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson is not just her handler. He is, he helped raise Kate since she was a child because Kate has a very dark past regarding her own family. Again, it's set in Japan. By being exposed to this radiation, she realizes she only has maybe just less than 24 hours to live. And instead of just resigning herself to her eventual fate, she decides to go on this one-woman vendetta and take down the Yakuza and, and figure out who is behind her own assassination. So that is the premise of Kate. Also, along the way, she meets a young girl or she comes across a young girl who is part of a very important piece to this 
criminal organization. This young girl ends up tagging along with her and they ultimately, you know, it's pretty, pretty predictable. They end up having a very in- intense, interesting, if not short relationship. Again, that's not a spoiler. Kate is like movies like DOA. There is a ticking clock. There's a poison, whether you're poison, it's radiation. You know, by the end of the movie, the main character will probably, yes, expire. So this is a really interesting conceit. Bruce Perky, did, did Kate deliver for you? Uh, it did. I mean, uh, so I don't know how much I'm grading it on the Netflix movie scale because, <laughs> you know, we kind of have an expectation about Netflix movies. I say uh, as a Netflix movie, this is a Netflix action movie. For me, this is pretty high up there. And I think this would actually play as a pretty good in the theater movie too. Once again, you kind of have hinted at it pretty clearly that this isn't groundbreaking. There's a couple twists that I don't think really matter and aren't super surprising in this movie. What you come for a mo- to a movie like this for is, do you like the characters? Do you believe that she's, you know, this kick-ass assassin? Are the battles interesting and and inventive at least somewhat and does the story propel you forward and in all those categories i would say it did work for me i especially want to point out that i i really liked the super kind of neon tokyo at night look of this movie lots of alleyways lots of crowded you know little uh, streets and things this feels like the director or the cinematographer must love early ridley scott because <laughs> the yeah, fact you're thinking that you've black got rain. black rain well i'm actually thinking blade runner almost oh, in this yeah. one too i yeah. think there's a lot of hints to blade runner there's a lot of things you know uh, those kind of neon streets and the bustling streets but then also moments that stop where you kind of have the stuff uh projected on the sides of buildings where in blade runner it would be like a blimp going by or something and you saw that again in the blade runner 20 whatever it was 22 55 <laughs> but i won't say too much more i think if you if you are interested in kind of this bright propulsive action movie i think you'll enjoy this i think the fights are a lot of fun it's definitely in that john wick style you know choreographed but very fast and precise and i did also appreciate that there was a lot of gunplay but there was also to some degree a lot of found object fighting too there's a lot of scenes where she would maybe be using a gun and it would, you know, stop working or run out of bullets or something would happen. And then maybe she's going to grab um, uh, something else nearby and use it as a weapon. And they would use it on her. And, and all, all that stuff I thought was kind of fun. Also warning. Yeah. If you like John Wick, this movie should be for you as far as the action. The action is very, very good. But like Bruce said, it's not just you're shooting someone and then they, when they expire and you don't see any blood, there's not, there's a, there's a lot of bloodletting and, and slashes and cuts in this movie. So if you do not like the sight of blood or slashes to the face or body and all that stuff, it, well, it's a little bit of a warning regarding your, your uh, penchant for watching violence on screen. My mom, you know, in fairness, she tried watching about 30 minutes of the movie. She actually dumped out of Kate, did not want to see it because of the violence. I was me being a sociopath and me not caring about humanity. Of course, I went through. I I uh, I, <laughs> I really loved Kate. Hook, line, and sinker. I love this movie. It re- currently has a tomato meter rating of 28%, which I think is ridiculously unfair. I thought this was a really fun movie. Eric, your thoughts on Kate? You said 28%. Yeah, 28%. There's a, right now, eight, as, we, as we're speaking, it's 18 reviews. Um, hopefully that tomato meter goes up. I don't know what they're talking uh, about. The little girl's yeah, good. They, Mary, Mary they, good. they watch a completely different movie than I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll start with the stuff I didn't like because there's not much of it. There's a couple kicks 
that uh that that they did that it looks like they just kind of put their foot on their body the the, the kicks didn't land uh, i think there's like three of them two of them three of them three kicks that she did that it was like that that, that doesn't feel like uh I'm, I'm not buying that you're not buying that kick right and that's it. That's all that I hated about this movie. <laughs> Everything else I fucking loved. Uh, the music's awesome. The the J-pop uh, music. Um, it, it felt like a, if you ever watched Gantz or pretty much any anime movie, you kind of know what music to expect. And uh, I really want to buy the soundtrack. I love yes. Elizabeth Winstead <laughs> in this. Uh, again, so yeah, if they do, because uh, uh, Ripley, you know, she does have a daughter. And they have that alien isolation game, which uh, the main character in that is Ripley's daughter. If they ever did anything like that, Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh, needs to play Ripley's daughter. But she didn't play Ripley's daughter in this. She played, uh, I don't know what her character's name is, but th- this Kate. movie is... <laughs> oh, there, there you go. Kate. I love it's, this movie so title. much. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing I hate about this movie. The title <laughs> the fucking title. sucks. Hey. So that women, the women named land. Kate, people named Kate. We, we we're not against you. We're just talking about the, the moniker, not not your name, as, as yeah, your parents yeah. gave you. Yeah, no, <laughs> they 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 should have called this movie like the Exploding Brain or so, like so, This movie needs a fucking title. They just fucking pops. Kate, I have the title. I have what, the title for you. What is it? I'm gonna wait till the very end of this episode, and I will tell you because the very last thing I'm gonna say is gonna include what the title should be. Okay, that is very. very I, good. Can, all right, episode's over. Thanks for listening. <laughs> All right, Bruce. <Bruce-Wood. laughs> no, they, they, this movie's fun. this movie's really fun. The the fucking car chases, like oh, when they do that fucking. I mean, the car chases are obviously CGI. A lot of it is, but it's just due to the fucking neon shit and the way the camera moves around. This movie is like super hyper stylized. I don't give a fuck because no, I had a blast watching this movie. No, you're right. That car chase is hyper. It's very CGI driven, but like you said, they revel in the effects. It's yeah. just totally that style. And also, there are some really great action pieces in this movie. You're talking about a couple of kicks that didn't land, but like you said, and like Ed Bruce said, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is amazing in this movie. She just oh yeah. I, I honestly, Anderson, our buddy Anderson Collin talks about people who are being taken away to do super, more superhero movies. I want to see her in more action movies. She is I, so good. I want to see her in Kate too, but I want him to call it something different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, right. th- th- this is a this is a movie that like uh, I I would say that if you're if you're not on board with this, this is going to be a movie that pisses you off, you know, but. If you, what, 26%? What did 20, you say? 28%. These are critics right now. I'm thinking, that I'm is, guessing. That is ridiculous. I think like, the audience like, like how, how can you watch this movie and say, like, uh, uh, granted, you, you could be like, I'm not into that sort of thing. Not for me, but for what it's trying to do, it nails because it does. But right. how, how can you, I, I don't, that's ridiculous. I don't understand that at all. Also, I, the- I, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Also, the ending of Kate is fantastic. The, yes. the way they end, right, Bruce? It's just an excellent, excellent ending. It's yeah. excellent. And, oh, I want to point out, without spoiling it, there's a showdown between two non-Kate characters that they set up to be this long. You're like, okay, here comes a big battle. And it ends up being, and I'm not saying what happens, but it ends up being almost like that Indiana Jones moment where right. it just, it's, it's done very quickly. Mm-hmm. And you're like, 
awesome. <laughs> yeah. A third yeah. thing, a third thing I didn't like about this movie. We watched a screener of it on Netflix, and I did not get to watch this in IMAX in an IMAX theater. Oh yeah, so I dude, that. this movie at some point this movie needs to be released in theaters. It is so much fun and so awesome, and yeah, the twenty eight percent. I will. I, Honestly, I would love to see that. Wait, we need to get those numbers up. Let's get up to sixty nine percent. I would love. I would love to see that. There's so many action scenes in this movie, but I would love to see that specific action scene where she enters that house just with all those criminals, and they go through that. And oh, that is amazing. Yeah. That <laughs> you you know what you know what it might be, and that and this is me being nitpicky. This would be the fourth thing I didn't like, but based on what the movie is, I'm gonna. There's only the three things I didn't like that I mentioned. This wouldn't be the fourth thing, but I'm wondering if uh, some people didn't like it because they, uh, how do I say this without? They saw the ending coming. We'll just say that. Oh well, I mean, that's, there, that, there, there, really there's unfair. a there's there's a yeah. thing that like as soon yeah. as they saw a character, I'm like, I know where this is going. Yeah, but, but that, fuck that, that that that's the kind of movie this is. Yeah, you kind of you kind of that that that's like. Watching a horror movie going, I knew the killer was going to kill everyone. Well, fucking yeah, it's a fucking slasher movie. What the hell did you think was going to happen? Oh, but you know what, Bruce, to your point, look, the twists are not really important in Kate nope. because it's it's fun. That said, there was 20 minutes to go and I'm thinking, wait a second, I still have 20 minutes. There's This is supposed to be the end. And I thought that was really cool because nope, that is not the end. You still have a lot of story to, left to cover. And I really enjoyed that slight twist to your point though bruce not really important to even talk about twists regarding kate it's a really special film as far as a guilty pleasure action movie that's really well executed so strong recommendation yes. on my part uh solid solid to strong so, bruce yes yeah stri- yep. strong recommend and get those rotten tomato scores up because this 28 percent is ridiculous and it's really, ridiculous I, it doesn't need to be a hundred percent i get that but 28 percent is freaking ridiculous and thank you, Netflix, for providing us with links. But yes, Eric, that is a compliment slash complaint that I totally co-sign on. I would pay good money in a theater to see this blown up in IMAX or big screen. It, it really deserves that kind of level. That said, counter blessings that a movie like Kate is made. I'm so glad. We're all glad it's coming out on Netflix on September 10th. Next up, Shudder. This is Bruce Perky. Shutter is still your favorite streaming service. Has nothing changed with that? Do you still maybe watch a Shutter film every week, or has it dimmed in your yeah. eyes? Okay, no, it's still Shutter. Still Shutter. It's still Shutter because remember those Eric. Remember those early days, first five six months. Bruce was just shilling Shutter every like three or four <laughs> movies a week. He, he was, was even, shilling Shutter all over the place on the walls, on the, wall, <laughs> on the ceiling, everything. He loves it much. I, I I walked in a room after Bruce was in it. Just kidding. I never met Bruce in person, but if I did, I'd walk in the room and go, yeah. oh man, there's Shutter everywhere. Bruce, what the hell did you <laughs> yes. do in here? <laughs> Someone needs to Shutter all the shuttering, but nope, we're doing another Shutter film this week. This movie, it's streaming on Shutter Thursday, starting September Thursday, September 9th. It's called Martyr's Lane. And it's an interesting movie because it centers, it's a ghost story. And it centers on this young girl, maybe, I'm thinking maybe nine or 10. And she sees a ghost. And she doesn't live in, in a normal house. She lives in a vicar. So I think her dad, 
her father is like, I don't know what he come up. What, what is his station? He's like a father. He's, he's religious. And her mother is loving, but she's very distant to the family. She has a bullying older sister, very annoying older sister. So this young girl, she's left a lot of times she's left to her own devices and her own imagination. And she ends up bonding with this girl. She sees around, around her neighborhood. There's some really, there's like an interesting, like a, like a forest where they take the dog and she, she sees a ghost and she develops a friendship. And I don't know, it's, it's this weird kind of relationship with this ghost. The ghost is around her age, maybe a year or two younger. So a lot of, I think a lot of things that work for me for Martyrs Lane centers on the, the acting from the child actors. They're very, very strong when they are together and they're talking and they're playing a chess match game with each other. They're trying to manipulate, especially the ghost is trying to manipulate the situation. You're, I'm, I was interested in Martyrs Lane. Overall though, this movie, I wanted a little bit more scares. I wanted a little bit more oomph to it. But I think this movie will really play well for people who are looking for a surprising family drama about tragedy. And, and I don't want to go further about what the tragedy is or, or whatnot. But let's just say it's, it felt more like The Sixth Sense. A lot, of, a lot of things about The Sixth Sense, it ended up being really a resonant family drama. But it was scary as you know what. I was not scared with Martyrs Lane. That is my big criticism with the movie. But overall, I would give this a slight recommendation. I still loved the performances of the kids. I thought it was a well-structured movie. I just wanted a little bit more scares. Eric, what did you think of Martyrs Lane? Yeah, I wasn't scared on this at all, which doesn't say much because I don't get scared at horror movies anymore. But uh, this one kind of had a uh, almost like a never-ending story vibe to it. And that it was less about the scares and more about a child kind of learning more about, you know, uh, whatever, I, I, I don't know what, uh, what to say. I guess the, maybe learning about her environment, maybe learning about sure, her, uh, herself, sure. I guess. Yeah, um, I, I didn't love this movie. But I kind of I kind of liked it. I'm, I'm trying to best what to describe it as. Because uh, this movie, and we'll talk about another one that kind of had the same thing. This movie was made me really anxious because of all the things going around the girl. Her oh. environment isn't okay. the best. In right. fact, the uh, the thing that she deals with is the least of her problems, I think. Uh, her family is probably a bigger problem than the uh, things she has to deal with. And a lot of that was kind of... Uh, you know, like when you hear a baby cry a lot, it's like, fucking shit. you know, after a while, it's like, is no one going to take care of that baby crying? Like, that, there's a lot of that in this. Like, you know, she's kind of doing her thing and someone's someone's screaming or someone's freaking out or someone's messing with her or that there's always there's always something going on. That part was made me a bit anxious. And that's not like a fault of the movie. I think that's kind of what the movie was going for. But it, it was a little too real i guess but, but can that be a good thing if it's too real if it strikes a nerve can it be it, yeah and, okay. and and that's that's actually uh not to the movies well it for me it was to the movie's detriment because at the time i'm like oh god i'm fucking <laughs> <laughs> I you can't know the, 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 sometimes sometimes at the house like there's things that go on you know people freaking out or people doing whatever and then a uh, movie gets a little too real in certain areas. Yeah. 
and it reminds you of you know uh gotcha. th- th- this is not an escapist movie well no. we'll say that like, um don't climb that tree don't climb that cupboard what are you doing <laughs> yeah or or like the so like the the older sister for example yeah horrible she's like just constantly being a horrible person but then she does you know she's a, she's a sister and there's a certain time where she she drops her uh horrible person act and he's a good sister you know the the mom's got her own thing that she's mm-hmm. dealing with so she's like being really uh dismissive of her children and then you know she realizes what's going on so they, these are things like these are characters that are real characters you know they mirror real life pretty well but as someone watching it it gets a little too real sometimes we're like i just want to i just want to watch kate go in her neon car and just beat up people <laughs> so that would you recommend this then eric is this a recommend or a I, I, recommend? I think i think this is a good movie I, I actually think this is a really good movie, but at the time I was watching it, I wasn't. I wanted to stop watching it. <laughs> okay, I okay, cool. Yeah, but I'm but gonna... but that's not because the movie's bad. I oh. I think that I think the movie was a little too successful in what it was trying to too successful in what it was trying to portray. And at the time of me watching it, I wasn't ready for that. So okay. we'll, we'll we'll say that. Okay, maybe a slight. Maybe a slight recommend. The, the, this would be a, the, this would be a recommend if you want to watch a decent ghost story. You know, it, it's kind of like a let let's say that uh, one of your parents just died, and then you watch a movie about someone's parents who died. That's gotcha. gonna affect. Gotcha. That's gonna that's gonna affect you in a certain way, and that has nothing to do with the movie. That just means the movie was effective in what it was trying to portray. I just wasn't ready for this at the moment, but <laughs> I recognize that this is a pretty good movie. And I think, I don't know that people will, air quote, enjoy it, but I think it's successful in in portraying what it's trying to portray. Bruce, my problem with this movie is I was just thinking about while Eric was reviewing it, there are some really good, there's some really good writing in this movie, the way the movie's structured. There are some, uh, the ending, the way it's positioned as an ending would have been a really great wrap up, but they just, I wanted, uh, maybe it's me, my, my Brian De Palma instincts in me, I, I wanted a more operatic ending or just a more visually in, interesting ending. Am I going a little bit too far with this? Or, did, you know, I, I like the way it was structured. I just didn't like the execution as much. Still, I, I give it a slight recommend, recommendation on the performances and the story. But what do you think, Bruce? I recommend this movie. I I kind of am the opposite of you, Greg. I There's a couple flourishes towards the end where it starts to get go a little bit bigger. Like at the very end, there's a finale. There's kind of a confrontation slash finale that happens. And it gets a little bit big. And that was the only moments I think in the whole movie that I kind of didn't like. Oh I my gosh. That, at, at that moment, sorry, Bruce, I was going, do yeah. it, do it now. No. Now. So I thought that kind of pulled it out because the whole rest of the movie was this really, and I think what Eric is kind of keying off of it, it's, it's melancholy. This movie is really melancholy. It's a ghost story, but in the almost more of uh, foreboding sadness is almost how it feels to me. And I think what I do appreciate about this movie, and I, I would also highlight the, the two uh, little girl performances in here, the, the ghost and the, the main girl are amazing. And yes. with, without those working as well as they do, it wouldn't work even half as well as it does. I also want to point out that to me, what I felt in this movie he compared it never ending story a little bit. I compare it a little more like to Pan's Labyrinth where it's you're intensely attached to this character. You're and a lot of the movie. It's right at her point of view. 
you're always having this kind of sense of you're overhearing things. It's really from her perspective and kind of that perspective of a child where there's, you know, something's not right. You feel sad. You feel endangered. There's mystery, but the mystery might be dangerous to solve. And that's going on throughout this. I'm so glad there was always, yeah, there was always a sense that the other shoe was going to drop. There's it's unease. And I think that's also what Eric's getting at a little bit too there. There's, you get the feeling there's darker stuff going on around the edges than you're actually fully seeing. Even by the end of the movie, I think there's darker stuff going on around the edges than you fully see. Yeah. And you love the, you love the subtle hand to it. You love the, I'm saying, because I did, I really love the subtle hand and I really loved the, um, just the, the personally intensely close point of view with the daughter. I, I really appreciated that. Uh, some things I would have changed a little bit. There's a whole of a mystery solving element that really kind of like we just talked about with Kate, you know, what is happening. I mean, it's not really, uh, it's not really a mystery, but it's more her realizing it. I think that is the point of the story. Her actually, it's kind of like her becoming an adult in, in almost a bad way. Like that loss of that gay gauze of, of kind of safeness is lifting from her eyes by the end. I think that's kind of what happens in this movie. Well, look, without saying too much, though, the director, Ruth Platt, and I believe she also wrote this, is another strength of the movie is the fact that the story isn't completely spelled out in black and white for you. The yeah. fact that, like you yeah. said, off, you, things like voices heard in another room by the parents. A lot. I, I think the ending, it, it's, it's really well done. I just wanted a little bit more of an operatic sheen to it, but there, there's a lot to be said for its lyricism and its poetry and and it's inevitable melancholy. So, all right. So that is a, is a solid recommend from you, right, Bruce? I would say pretty solid, but it won't be for everybody for sure. And to your guys' points, <laughs> it's not going to be, whoo, scary. <laughs> you know? I, I would say that, uh, that this is one of those movies that like if you're 15, 20 minutes in and you're, you're feeling a way about it like I did, like this is a movie I wish I would have stopped watching and then maybe got to next week. When I was in a different headspace, because and, and again, this is not to the movie's dead or you know, this is not a slide on the movie. This is because the movie's successful in what it's trying to portray. It does it a little too well, not at all. You know, <laughs> that, the, this is this comes down to this is my fault, not the movies. This, you know, ironically, I said I give, I give this movie a slight recommend on the performances and the story. Eric, with all his complaints and flaws of the movie, it seems that he actually liked and appreciated the movie much more than I did, which is which actually bodes well for this movie. So Martyrs Lane actually gets solid recommend from Bruce Perky and an interesting recommend kind of from Eric, but he really sees the, I guess, the depth to it. And I give it a slight recommend as well. As well. Martyrs Lane, September 9th on Shudder. Yes, again, Bruce Perky's favorite streaming service. When are we going to get Shutter on board with this? Because they should send us more screening links because Bruce... Actually, they shouldn't send me and Eric. They should just... Oh, yeah, yeah. Bruce was nice. He was actually... T-shirts, ball caps. Ball caps, everything. Everything, everything. We'll get on the ball regarding Shutter because... Shutter's jizz rags. Okay. That's very good. What do you say, Greg? I shudder at the thought. No, let's not... Okay, now. Bruce Perky was talking about very funny, Eric. Bruce Perky was talking about two movies for in one regarding regarding the card counter. Okay, that could be considered a complaint. Maybe there are two movies, and there are no engines being repaired in small engine repair. But could small engine repair 
which is based on a play by, I believe that's John Polono. John Polono is also the writer director. It's based on his own play. And he's also this one of the uh, actors in the movie as well. John Polono plays Frankie. Frankie, for a while, he had a stretch in prison. While he was in prison, his buddy Swaino, played by John Bernthal, and Packy, played by one of my favorite character actors, Shea Wiggum, they ended up for a while being sort of de facto parents to his daughter, Crystal, played by the talented Sierra Bravo from the awesome, underrated Tom Holland flick. What was that movie called? That uh, Cherry? The one that we all... I was going to say Endgame, but... You oh, oh okay, okay. No comment for on Cherry, Bruce? No, no comment on Sierra Bravo and Tom Holland on Cherry? Eric? Bruce? No? The, cherry. The, yes, the, the, Cherry was a okay. movie that we <laughs> was saw. A, was a movie that you saw. Okay, that was on Apple TV+. Plus. I loved it. Eric and Bruce had different, differing opinions. So I, anyway. I, I, I like Cherry. It was oh, better cool. than Endgame. It, it, it was, was better, better than, than Endgame. Okay. It was better than Endgame. So anyways, teen, <laughs> their teen, the teenage daughter is Crystal, played by Sarah Bravo. For, for you know, she's she hasn't really been raised by her mom. Her mom's a little bit of a, uh, not a really, the best mom. She's sort of been an absentee mom for a while. She's played by Jordana Spiro. Anyways, that's the premise of, of Small Engine Repair. It's about this family. What happens, though, is... Frankie, again, played by John Polono, he has, he has impulse control. When he gets mad, thing, bad things happen. That's a big spine of what this movie's about. And certain things are happening. There's a little bit of an estrangement between him and, and his buddies. Ultimately, what happens is after maybe two or three months of being estranged from his best friends, he invites them for a night out at his house where he's going to cook them steaks. They're going to have some whiskey, maybe watch a fight. And just talk about wonderful times past, which is great because they're childhood friends. But then what happens is when a young, like a maybe maybe a college student, a entitled college student, comes in to give them some drugs and to enter their their childhood party and everything like that, things go south. Things turn interesting for small engine repair. Again, this movie's rated R. It hits theaters Friday, September tenth. Two movies, two movies for the price of one because you think it's just going to be an, an interesting character drama, but it ends up being something else. Black comedy, tragedy, violent. Uh, you, a lot of stuff goes on. Eric, your thoughts on Small Engine Repair? Um, so I started watching this after I got done with Martyr Slain or Martyr's Lane? Yeah, Martyr Slain. Yeah, yeah, yeah Martyr Double entendre, maybe? Yeah. But uh, I started watching this after Martyr's Lane. I was like, I can't fucking do this. I can't do two in a row. Uh, this one I turned off halfway through, and then I caught up. I you know got myself in the right mind and and finished it later. And th- this is a pretty decent movie, but this does that. This is that same thing where it hits a little too close to home because I know so many people, or not currently, but I knew so many people like the main characters. Where, uh, hey, there's a, you know. Hey, Greg, someone was talking shit about you. Let's go beat them up because that's how you solve things. You beat them up. Someone, you're going to talk shit about my family. I'm going to beat you up. What? You're talking shit about. I'm going to beat you up now. That's their answer to solution to everything is I'm going to beat you up. Hey, Bruce, what are you looking at? I'm going to beat you up. Bruce, Bruce and I are scared right now. <laughs> We're ready to leave the Zoom and, chat. And Bruce so, has left so, the chat. So these, uh, yeah, these characters were really fucking, because I know these people in real life, 
not John Bernthal and Shea Wiggum. I, I wish I knew them in real life. That'd be yeah. fun. We'd hang out and drink, and then you guys Shea, would come over, and we'd all have fun. I had but a one-on-one that, on one with him. I had a one-on-one -on -one interview with Shea Wiggum for about 15 minutes. Great guy. Yeah. Really good guy. Yeah. He's awesome in the Run the Jewels video. Check it out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, these uh, characters... I absolutely like the characters they were portraying. I absolutely know these people and they're fucking relentlessly annoying in real life. And so watching this movie, is like, this is another great example of a movie, just fucking nailing those characters to a T, but also to its detriment. I'm watching this going, I don't, I I've seen this happen in real life. I don't need to see this in a movie. And then about like halfway through or the last third, it turns into it turns into a different movie. And then that kind of uh, like that sort of situation I've never been in before or seen outside sure. of movies. So yeah. that kind of, you know, got me a little bit at arm's length and I was able to kind of take the movie a little bit better. But yeah, this movie is really tough to uh, get through. And again, because the movie, so I, I think because just like uh, Martyrs Lane, it's so successful in, in what it's trying to portray that, uh, and the people it's trying to portray, I just know them, and I've had it up to here with them, and really don't want, I don't want to see them in person. Uh, Death of Dick Long, I think, uh, Greg, you mentioned something about Death of Dick Long. Yeah, I don't know if it was about this movie or no, it was about Drowning Mona because of both Death of Dick Long and Drowning oh, yeah. Mona are just so unexpected films. Like they, they'd make a great double feature. As far but as see, it, it, at least with the uh, Death of Dick Long, there's like uh, some humor in there. There's not much humor in this one. I mean, may maybe a joke here and there, but imagine like Death of Dick Long without humor. Then it just becomes like, oh god. Yeah. Well, speaking I, of, I, there's I, a pretty good, there's a pretty good dick joke in this movie too. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the the last third kind of made it a little easier to made this movie easier to swallow. But again, like Martyrs Lane, this I think this is more my fault than it is the movies because I think the movie's successful in what it's trying to say. But man, that first two thirds was tough to get through just because the characters. Yeah, you know, I I know those characters so well. I don't. Re I didn't really want to watch a movie about them. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know these characters very well. I ended up really enjoying this movie. High marks for me on Small Engine Repair. Excellent performances by everyone involved. Again, it's two movies. And to Eric's point, it can get frustrating when these people can get on your nerves. And who knows, you might actually bail on this movie. I ended up really just immersed in everything. And then when it takes that diff different turn, I was all for it as well. It became a little bit, uh, there's a little bit of a black comedy situation going. Ah, worked for me. Bruce, wondering where do you land on this? Are you more on Eric's camp or? This is my not recommend of the week for sure. Absolutely oh, flat, really? flat, not recommend. This is a mess of a movie, mess of a movie. I, I don't know what this movie is about. I don't think it knows what it's about. Wow. And if it does know what it's about, I don't think it does what it thinks it does. First, well, you could say the first 20 minutes or so, it seems to be sort of a, hey, this guy's going to redeem his life. He's trying to go in the straight of arrow, straight and arrow, but he's kind of getting pulled back in, you know, kind of Godfather three style. Like I'm getting pulled back into this behavior because of my friends and stuff, you know? And then the middle 45 minutes is like, um, bro, big chill at a garage. And that stuff was to me interminable. 
I, I kind of, to, to Eric's point, I was hanging out with people that I didn't really, wasn't very interested in. And I wasn't sure what the point was. Like we were reminiscing, we were learning about them, but to what end? I mean, and the reason they were brought there is the final third, which I'm not going to disclose. But if you think about it, the reason they were brought there that they didn't know about is pretty heinous by the main character. (laughs) If you think about it, you think about they're there for a particular reason that they don't know they're there for. And when they find out they're there, now they're kind of stuck being there for that reason. And then the final third, you know, like you said, it gets a little more um, over the top, I guess I would say. But the finale of that, and this would have to be in a spoiler thing, the finale of that makes no sense. Like, I don't know what it's supposed to tell us. Like the characters haven't learned a thing or haven't accomplished what they want to accomplish. That's for sure. Like they wanted to accomplish a certain goal. They failed utterly at that goal. Well, like, small, it and didn't you, happen. And, that, is, and that's why this movie is very realistic because those characters <laughs> would not actually accomplish what right. they're well, and, and I realize that part. I understand that that is realistic, but then that t- makes me go like, what's the point of this damn movie? Yeah. Like what, what, are, what are the, are the characters supposed to have learned something that they're idiots? I think they knew that at the beginning, <laughs> you know, so. I, 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 I almost think that this, like the last third of this movie should have been the movie or yeah. the, the, the first third of the movie should have been the movie. The, uh, the, yes. the, 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 we're, we're, you know, we're a bunch of dude bros and we fell apart and now uh, so-and-so has cancer and that brought us back together and maybe we grow as people or, you know, what, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, to, yeah. I mean, the like first him having the, to struggle the, with the, like the first that. the first third like sets up a thing i mean dude has cancer that's that's what brings them together sort of and then nothing happens with it <laughs> yeah that I, I agree now that wouldn't have necessarily been the most groundbreaking story in the world but there would yeah. have been a I, I would have seen the path and it could have been good and to, to me it wasn't good because of all those things and the last thing i'll say about ciara bravo she does a really good job but this is the last time she can play this character because she's played this character in one TV series and at least two movies that I've seen now. She's got to stop it. She's got to do something else. I would only, Ciara Bravo, if you're listening, <laughs> only do these roles. I loved her in this. No. I, I, I really loved, I, you know what? It's so funny. I think this is one of this, these movies where I'm completely off the, off the reservation. I, re, I, I love Small Engine Repair. I love the performances. I love the story. The, the idea of toxic. What is the story? It's, it's, you got to tell it's, me. It's center, it, te- it centers <laughs> on, you know, childhood friends who it, they shouldn't really be friends anymore. You want to be what happens. Up. True. You got to. You got to grow out. Right. No. no hey, but hey I, Bruce. I think... Hey Bruce. What, what are you talking about, Greg? You disagree with us, Bruce? Let's beat him up. <laughs> no, but it <laughs> we're, says we're going to beat you. Up. It says you know, and it, it tells. I think. I think it tells the viewer to. Or, or the the people who are in, or, or who are into this movie, are you going to? If you had childhood friends, would you stick by them through thick and thin, or will you leave? And I think that's yeah. one of the themes in this movie: family sticks together no matter what happens. And Death of Dick Long didn't. does that brilliantly. Yes. But, okay, yes. I'm gonna yes. I'm gonna think I can do this. You can cut this out if, it, if you think it's too much of a spoiler. I don't think it is. Yeah. Think about it. He doesn't stick with them, right? So in the first beginning part, he's like, "Screw you guys! You're making me get in this fight." You're almost going to get me in trouble and go back to prison. I'm not going to talk to you guys anymore. Cut forward. We're all going to get together and have this big chill night. He doesn't stick with them. He only brings them there for another reason that he hasn't told them. 
but without giving too much away though, towards the end, he there is a move that he makes that I'm not saying it's redeemable <laughs> or but, but that's not sticking with your friends. Like that's if I, sticking it to him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I if I if I am like I hate you guys, but oh, let's get back together. Only because I want to do something else. That's not that's that's not sticking with your friends. Do you yeah, kind of see my point? I, but I I I mean uh, again Uh-oh. to the to this movie's credit, they're not good friends. They're just no, not I, good. They're, I they're not good people just, to begin with. I think I think Greg might be it, frozen, by the way. Oh. <laughs> Greg's frozen. <laughs> I scared him. Greg, it's okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna kill you. <laughs> anyway, I was gonna say you're 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 right. They're not good friends. I agree with that. But then that belies the whole point, right? And I I won't say too much more because Greg can't talk about his side of it, but that means that the point of them sticking with friends isn't really true because they weren't good friends. Yeah. <laughs> and, he didn't, and he knew Ew. that. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Greg Srizvonsti. I am checking back in at, at 6.20 p.m. Pacific time on a Wednesday. My, the, the power in the house went out for a second, and Bruce Perky and my betters uh, and Eric Holmes, they've had to actually sit idle in zoom chat for about 10 minutes so just in case like eric holmes was saying it the zoom chat is recording everything should be fine but just in case everything is not fine we're not going to re-record the podcast but you're going to get this little extra treat you might just have a very short find your film podcast if everything doesn't work <laughs> now let's just say worst case say murphy's law which i i do believe in in murphy's law because well i invest in crypto and i see i see uh i i i, I see things dipping I, I my 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 emotions uh my spiritual awareness everything is dipping in my pocketbook so many things are dipping so i'm i'm assuming this podcast didn't go through eric and bruce i believe they're they're more sunny side on the street guys i think they're gonna they're gonna actually believe that the podcast did record now just in case murphy's law in right now we're gonna actually do a quick recap on what we thought of the movies very quickly flash around the card counter directed by paul schrader in theater september 10th directed uh, yeah starring oscar isaac one of my favorite films of all time not all time of the year of this year top 10 maybe top five the card counter eric recommend or not uh, recommend probably most likely get better over time. Good. Bruce card counter. Good. Slightly schizophrenic, a uh, little bit of a split movie, not as good as his previous movie, but still solid. Did you call me schizophrenic Bruce? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the honesty. Okay. So Kate, Kate on Netflix, September 10th, uh, led by Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, or Winstead, Weinstead set in Japan, hired assassin goes wrong. She's dying. What do you guys think? Strong recommend for me, Eric. Okay. Awesome. Awesome movie. Get it up to 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. Very good. Bruce. Okay. Strong, strong recommend. Great visual style. Awesome action. Now I wanted a little bit more of a Brian De Palma slathered operatic feel to Martyrs Lane, a ghost story set in a vicar. And it centers on the life of this, I think maybe eight or nine, 10 year old girl. And she thinks she sees ghosts. Martyrs Lane for me didn't work on many, many levels, but I thought her, the young girl's chemistry with the other young girl who's playing the ghost was fantastic. Really love that. And I really enjoyed the story. Just wish it was a little bit more diploma. Slight recommend for me. Eric Holmes, slight recommend. Big recommend. What? I was in the mental space to appreciate this movie, but it is a good movie. Recommend. I'm never in the mental space for anything because I'm mentally not vi- not there at all. Bruce, you uh, you disagreed a little bit in, in a good fashion. Yep. Tell us what you... Martyrs, that was a solid, Martyrs solid recommend. Solid recommend. I liked the really subtle intensely personal point of view of the the daughter and i thought it was a melancholy ghost story but really it's about a child kind of coming of age 
you know, if this podcast actually did record the, the other stuff, okay, I'm gonna leave this into the podcast episode because this is this would be like watching the movie. Remember watching the movie when that movie makes a big misstep when they actually show back scenes that you've already seen and you're thinking, you a ho, why why are you putting me through this one more time? I'm gonna keep this on the podcast. I'm sorry, listeners. I love you guys so much. And I, 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 actually, it's not a good, bad idea going forward. Just doing a quick speed round of all the movies at the end. And what I don't understand, small engine repair, no engines repaired. I, I, I'm, I, I'm going to drive that joke down to the freaking ground. I'm not, I'm not as funny as Eric or Bruce, so I'm not, I, I'm not very good on that. But look, I ended up really not liking this movie too much, but it's one of Eric and Bruce's all-time favorite movies. Was I wrong in that? Or what, Bruce, Eric, small engine repair? Uh, what? what? Uh, r- what real the, quick, I no? uh, hated the characters because they were a little too close to home. The last third was the movie i wanted to see okay very good in, in all in all fairness bruce what was the honest reaction on small engine repair break <laughs> i thought it was um, time. no i thought it was a muddled mess it it had no clear story or point and it didn't make the point i think it thought it made and um yeah it was you could do better and again, Bruce Porky is not actually critiquing small engine repair. He actually looked at me and started saying all these things. So it's a personal <laughs> critique on me, not small engine repair. I ended up really enjoying this movie. Maybe I'm out of my gourd. Love, love, love the film. Okay, so that is our I, I, I didn't know yes, we were sir. doing that. Let, let me go back. Uh, very handsome, has a thick dick and a sultry voice. Would well, recommend. Bruce, we're, Bruce, we're talking about you, right? Okay, no, Bruce, this is where you're supposed to jump in and say thank you, Eric. Okay, so finally, our final film for this week is this movie called The Alpinist or The Alpinist. I'm going to say The Alpinist because it's called alpinism. Alpinism, I don't know anything. I don't know, Bruce or Eric, do you know anything about climbing, mountain climbing? This is when you're doing the free solo. You're actually climbing without very, just yourself. You're, you're, you're scaling a mountain. Not, you're not scaling it. You're climbing a mountain against something against like the ravages of nature and the elements. And that's what this documentary is about. And what is his name? Mark Andre Leclerc, I believe that's his name. And it centers on his life. He didn't do it for the fame. He didn't do it for the sponsorships. He has ADD. Okay. He's a good kid. He's adventurous, but he he doesn't want, he's just a normal guy. He just really loves alpinism. And he just wanted to travel the world, climb really high mountains, most of the time by himself without basically with just back his backpack and maybe some foodstuffs to go. Maybe, maybe he has a lunchable <laughs> somewhere. In his, he's, he's a lot more heroic than that, but that's his story. And I was, after watching this movie, I, I need to see Maru free solo. These type of films really got me into this genre of filmmaking. I can't even climb the stairs. So I don't think I'll ever climb a mountain, but I ended up, really enjoying the alpinist what it had to say about the dangers of alpinism the and the cost of it or, or not did, did did that did this movie trigger you bruce did you like it because you said you be, last episode last week you said you're not a fan or maybe i'm putting words in your mouth regarding these these films uh, these type of films i this is i would recommend this movie just to get right out the front it is the photography and the footage they show is pretty amazing and it will definitely put a pit in your stomach if you have any fear of heights because you will see some sites that will <laughs> terrify you to the bone. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's beautiful. And it's an interesting story. And they definitely do highlight, you know, kind of the dangers of this type of climbing, the free solo climbing. But my big problem isn't really, I mean, the film itself is okay. I, I kind of have a gripe with them making these films about the free solo climbers, because I think the free solo climbers 
are being wrongly or incorrectly, I guess, lionized. I guess they shouldn't be. I don't think we should put them on a pedestal. First of all, they're not any better than the other climbers at all. We wouldn't say that a, a, a race car driver is better because he doesn't wear a seatbelt. We wouldn't say a tightrope walker is better because he doesn't have a net. These guys are the assholes of the climbing industry. They're great climbers. They're probably some of the best climbers in the world, but they are doing it at the detriment of their family, their friends. Everyone has to watch them fall to their death because these guys are all going to fall to their death. If they keep doing this, they're going to slip once or some rock's going to fall down the hill and you kill them and they're going to die. So that's my, my gripe is these guys are good climbers that just choose to be extra risky. So Bruce, you said that, that the free solos, they, free soloists are, are the a-holes of the community, very candid stuff. So you had a problem a little bit with that, the way they're, they're lionized, but you ended up enjoying the movie as a doc. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean, I think that the filmmaker does call it out. He does call it out somewhat. I, I would push it a little harder if it was me, but I mean, then again, I probably wouldn't get the footage. Cause it'd be like, fuck you. We're not gonna let you film us, you know? So, so there's that. I mean, I understand. I just, I just think there's people are really praising their ability because they can climb without a rope, but the climb the climbers that do it with ropes don't usually fall and have to hang on their rope. But if they do, they live generally. That's the thing. Well, that is, uh, I ended up really enjoying the Alpinist and yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's, it's one of these things. It's, you can have different thoughts on what it takes to be an Alpinist or a free soloist and it comes with its dangers. And look, ultimately, if you climb at many mountains, Bruce, you make one mistake. It could be fatal, right? More likely than not, it is fatal. Correct. So not unless you got a rope. Not unless you yeah. have a rope. Yeah. Then it just hurt a little bit, but yeah, we'll climb another day. Live to climb it, but yeah, Bruce. To your point, though, visually, it's very, very interesting to, to oh, look God. at. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is a solid recommend for you with everything, all that caveat stuff. Yes, and I would, but I would just keep in mind. I, I guess my big quandary is I recommend it. It is definitely fascinating to watch, but I kind of don't want them to make more of these movies. Because every every one of these movies they make, there's gonna, or some kid that's you know 15 and he's starting to climb and he's like, cool, I'll be extra famous if I'm a solo climber and I don't want more solo climbers. So that is you know fair. what I mean. That kind of that, that kind of goes yeah. with what uh, uh, Pendulette says about magic. Like they do the bullet catch. It's not a real bullet catch. It's a uh, illusion. You know the fact that uh, you know magic should be a celebration of life. So if I'm actually putting myself in actual peril that's you know ethically wrong because yeah there's a whole there's a whole crowd out there that could watch a person die right in front of them and so you your magic trick should be safe but have the appearance of have the appearance of danger i and it, it's a little different with the with what you're describing with the climbing but yeah climb you know and if you slip and fall then you're caught you know, as long as you got the ropes on. I, I never really thought of it that way, but now that you bring that up, yeah, there's no reason to not have ropes other than to, you know, have a visceral reaction as you're doing it, which if you have a family is, yeah, that is actually kind of selfish now that I think of it. Well, that, and that's my point. It's like, I understand that it's a little different level for them as a challenge, but the drawback is so much gigantic and you know, huger compared to the, reward <laughs> i guess is what i would say yeah. 
Yeah. And you see, so. you, you see the, the repercussions of that in, in fairness with Alpinist, you see the repercussions of people whose lives are affected by the actions and the, the triumphs and the legacy of Mark Andre Leclerc. It's so why that, Adrian didn't want Rocky to fight I, Ivan Drago. She didn't want to watch her exactly. husband be murdered. Exactly. Like Apollo Creed. Exactly. Well, you know what? I so the Alpinist one... is kind of like Rocky Four, and I haven't <laughs> even seen it. And you haven't even seen it. Hopefully, you'll get to see it, Eric Holmes. Again, it is available in theater September tenth. Hopefully, we're gonna wrap up the show. We're gonna Bruce. Can you say uh, what, what's you're gonna hold off? What's in the box for next week? What can what can we expect for that? Yes. No, um, one false move. Got one, one false fa- move. One false move. That'll give us maybe me and Eric some time to actually rewatch that Carl Franklin movie. Sorry, Pete Abeto. We did not drop that beat this week. No, Pete, drop that beat. Just kidding. But still, drop that beat next week. (laughs) Next week. (laughs) Eric, you want to say something before we get out of here? Yo, Pete, I can't wait for next week when you drop that beat. Okay. (laughs) And Bruce, finally, final words. Kate walks down an alley and sees sweet girl. And says, "What? What? <laughs> what is right, it? I want to hear. What is it? Kate walks down the alley. What is it? Kate walks down the alley and sees sweet girl, and says, hold my boom boom lemon.' <laughs> flash review. I really enjoyed it and love sweet girl. And flash review, Bruce, did you love sweet girl or not? Silence. Sweet girl is a train wreck of all train wreck. It is okay. I'll make a short little thing here. A twist does three. One of three things improves." A not so good movie takes down a movie that was already good a little bit, or in this case, takes a bad movie and makes it even worse. Oh boy. <laughs> Would love to hear down the road if Eric Holmes will ever watch Sweet Girl on Netflix. Maybe he could be breaking the tie vote regarding Sweet Girl starring Jason Momoa and Isabel Merced. Might be my favorite film right after Citizen Kane. <laughs> so anyways, that said, we will see you next week and hopefully we'll I'll have less Wi-Fi issues. Next week, we're, we're going to be doing a Boris Karloff film and a Joe Carnham film, a whole bunch of other stuff for next week. Until then, we'll see you. Hey guys, what's up? Due to a my horrible Wi-Fi stuff, I'm coming in right now a couple of days after we tape the show. It's on a Friday. I'm going to upload it right now because there was no... I, I tried to sign up on, on Find Your Film, but... Due to Wi-Fi, it wasn't very strong. So yeah, guess what? This week, Pete actually did drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box?